For those that may be listening for the first time, our podcast is an offshoot from our main platform, YouTube. Our channel is called Coffee and Bible Time, where our goal is to help people delight in God's word and thrive in Christian living. We also have a website and storefront with Bible studies, prayer journals, courses, and more. I'm Mentor Mama, and today we are going to be talking about how theology and relational intimacy with Jesus can come together. You know, we talk a lot about the importance of walking with Jesus. But what does that actually look like, practically speaking? How do we live that out every day of our lives? Well, our guest today, Lisa Harper, author of the newly released devotional called Jesus, is here to discuss the topic with us. I'm so excited. Uh, Lisa would like to invite each one of us to pursue a lifelong journey of understanding the personhood of Jesus and how our relationship with our Savior can flourish as our relational knowledge of him grows. Lisa Harper, she is an engaging, hilarious communicator as well as an authentic and substantive Bible teacher that many have enjoyed hearing in person. She's been on countless TV and radio programs. She holds a Master of Theological Studies from Covenant Seminary and a Doctorate in Progress at Denver Seminary. She has been in vocational ministry for 30 years. She has written 19 books and Bible study curriculum but says that her greatest accomplishment by far is becoming Missy's mama. And I'm sure she's going to tell us a little bit more about that. Um, <laughs> she lives on a hilly farmette south of Nashville, Tennessee, where they enjoy eating copious amounts of chips, queso, and guacamole. <laughs> Welcome, Lisa. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Ellen. Uh, I am so delighted to have you. You know, I just, I love your fun, loving spirit. It just brightens this podcast room. <laughs> you really are. Oh, I'm so glad. Yeah, you're just a breath of fresh air. I love it. So, mm. Lisa, you are quite the writer with 19 books in your collection, and this is your second devotional, correct? Yes, ma'am. Um, yes, ma'am. So, in what way can readers expect this one? Tell us a little bit about the Jesus one. How is it different also from your first one? Well, it was it was so much fun to prepare for, Ellen, because I got to spend almost a year just diving into Jesus. I love to study. I'm finishing a doctorate. I, I brought my little girl home from Haiti through the miracle of adoption, and I decided to go back to school because I'm an old adoptive mom. I brought Missy home the year I turned 50. So I always tease and say I went through menopause and motherhood at the same time. Uh -oh. um, but I thought it would be good for her as she dives into school. And, you know, English is a second language. Sometimes 
she, she has some issues with school. She has to work a little harder. I thought it would be fun for her to see me at the kitchen table doing homework too, to see me as a lifelong learner. Mm-hmm. And I love to study God's word. I believe that's how we get closer to our creator redeemer is through the revelation of God's word and through revelation of Holy Spirit. So I went back to school in my 50s to get a doctorate, but I had never spent this much time solely focused on Jesus. Mm. I, you know, I've studied the Bible from cover to cover. I've done a lot of different Bible studies, but to just have a year to just focus on the incarnate life and ministry of Jesus Christ. I, yeah, I've been a believer since I was five years old. So over half a century of walking with Jesus, but there were some things I learned that either I just missed, you know, when I heard them taught or, or modeled, um, that really developed a deeper, um, just a deeper walk, deeper intimacy. I feel like I'm, um, leaning more fully into his arms. I'm a good worker bee as a Christian. Sometimes I have a really hard time letting Jesus hold me. And I I just feel like our relationship, I I just went on a real deep dive with the lover of my soul. It's been glorious. And um, so that was the difference for me is usually I'm studying God's word, but it's for a particular book of the Bible or subject matter to just Uh, I'll tell you what, one of the things that prompted it is my little girl had her first crush. Of course, I won't share who it was, but I was listening to her one day in the car talking about this boy she had a crush on. She's in the seventh grade and, you know, her face just lit up when she talked about him and she noticed every tiny detail of this young man. I mean, from the shoes he was wearing to what was in his lunchbox. And I thought, I remember when I was so preoccupied with Jesus, he was all I could think about. Mm -hmm. And I thought, I want to recapture my first love. I want to recapture that intimacy. And, um, and it was wonderful. It was the loveliest year to just lean into Jesus. Mm -hmm. I love that idea of just kind of focusing in on Jesus for a year Mm -hmm. and, I imagine Mm -hmm. having done that, you know, so many things came to the surface that you were able to apply and use in this devotional. Mm -hmm. Tell us about your journey as a Christ follower for, Mm -hmm. you said over 50 years and how has this book specifically challenged you in your walk? Oh, that's great. Um, I became a Christian, like I said, when I was little, the impetus to that was my dad left us parents went through a really acrimonious divorce and I was devastated as a little girl that my dad walked away. And soon after that, my mom changed from one church to another. I'm sure y'all don't do this. Um, any of your podcast listeners, but the church that we attended when I was a little girl, some of the women were quite gifted at disguising gossip as prayer requests. Mm-hmm. And so they began to gossip about my mom after this horrible divorce. And so she moved us to another church. And the very first Sunday, I was five years old, in that new church, this new pastor I'd never heard before. It's a little bitty church, one little aisle. He talked about how our heavenly father is a, is a dad who doesn't walk away from his children. That if you put your hope in Jesus, you'll never see God's back. And I was so compelled by that, mm-hmm. that I walked an aisle that day in church and told this, this pastor I'd never met before that I wanted to give my heart to Jesus because I wanted a dad who wouldn't leave me. So I became a Christian. Of course, you don't understand that much when you're that little, but I understood I wanted a dad who wouldn't leave me. 
Um, but by that point, there had been some, just some real hard things in my story, some molestations, some men who came and went from our family who abused me. And so I felt dirty, Ellen, I felt dirty from my earliest memory. And so I, I understood I needed God. I didn't think he liked me very much. I really didn't think anybody could really delight in me because I already felt damaged. Mm -hmm. And so I spent the next few decades very serious about my faith, but not understanding the delight of God at all. I just thought I have to put my head down and work hard and be dutiful as his daughter. Otherwise, he might regret his decision to lower the bar and let me into the kingdom. Now, I would have never, by the time I graduated from college, I went to work in youth ministry, I would never have taught that. But emotionally, that's how I felt. And so my walk with Jesus, you know, G Eugene Peterson calls obedience a long walk in the same direction. My walk with Jesus has included a lot of shame. I carried a really heavy backpack that I didn't need to carry. Um, and it took a long time for me to believe that God didn't just send his only begotten son because he needed to deliver me from my sins, but he also delights in me. And so I feel like I'm still, I'm 60. I just turned 60 last week. I feel like I'm still in elementary school when it comes to believing that God smiles when he sees me coming. And so I love diving into deep stuff. You know, I love theology. I'm just about to finish a doctorate. So I love talking about things like the hypostatic union, how Jesus is perfectly God and perfectly incarnate at the same time. But moreover than that, I love diving into the kindness of King Jesus. I think it's hard for us to really get that he delights in us, that he loves being with us, that we're his beloved. And so for me, this book, there, there's definitely some deep um, theological revelations about who Jesus is, about the fact that the first time somebody actually acknowledged his deity, it was based on his suffering. Do you know, the disciples never really understood the deity of Jesus until after the resurrection. It's the centurion there in, in the Gospels who watches Jesus die. He didn't see him walk on water. He didn't see him heal a leper. All he saw was Jesus die. And the centurion is the one who said, surely, surely he is the son of God. So we talk about some really cool things in this devotional, but the really the thread through it all is that he is a savior who loves us and his his kindness, his compassion, his mercy for us is so much bigger than we usually have even the faith to pray for, or certainly the understanding to wrap our human minds around. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. You know, one thing that helped me so much was just watching the chosen series. I don't know if you've seen mm -hmm. that, but just mm -hmm. yes. Jesus as this real person and helped remind right. me that this is, Jesus was here right? He was right. walking this earth. Right. Well, you know, the, this right. topic of wondering what walking with Jesus means in everyday life mm -hmm. is quite common. And there's a, a quote, I'm sure you know, from A.W. Tozer that, uh, <laughs> that he said, and I quote, for millions of Christians, God is no more real than he is to non-Christians. They go through no. life trying to love an ideal and be loyal to a mere principle. And so my question for you is with so many, you know, people that are listening that maybe are struggling with this, 
how do Christians mm-hmm. sort of cross this threshold um, sure. experiencing the personal relationship? Well, I think the, the first thing we do is recognizing just that, that Jesus is not, I, I love, you and I love to read the same people. I always say A.W. Tozier is one of my theological pretend boyfriends. Um, that's one of my favorite quotes, because I think in first world culture, um, and let's just say first world Western culture, we tend to accumulate knowledge instead of dive deep into relationships. And so I think oftentimes in church, we study theology. Theology has gotten a bad rap as it being this austere subject matter with lots of hard multisyllabic words. That's not theology. You know, the root of theology, teos in the Greek refers to God. Logos refers to words or conversations. So theology is conversations about God. It's leaning in, it's asking questions. And the rabbinic tradition to ask questions is to worship. That's part of worship is to ask questions. And so if we stop and think, okay, Jesus was incarnate, that's proven. There's more historical facts written about Jesus than than the famous people, the great military heroes of ancient history. You can find reams of material about the the earthly life of Jesus Christ. So much was written about him. And so, so to begin to ask, huh, what was he like? You know, we always tease about that verse, Jesus wept. I'm sure when you were a kid, you used it too. I always think Jesus wept and I would use that like at at youth group or camp because that was the easiest verse to memorize. (laughs) But when you stop and think, oh my goodness, what's that? What that is really saying is he was fully man. He actually felt what we feel. He went through what we went through. That's why in Hebrews, it can say he's an empathetic high priest. So he's not some faraway, unibrow, divine policeman just waiting to whack us over the head with a Bible. He's an up-close, incarnate Savior. What does it mean that children were drawn to him? You know, children launched themselves into the lap of Jesus. Children are not drawn to grumpy, unsmiling people. Mm -hmm. That implies Jesus had a great sense of humor. He was warm. He uses all this awesome hyperbole in his stories. Uh, A grumpy, unsmiling person wouldn't talk about massive mammals like camels going through the eyes of needles. And so if you would lean in to how Jesus is revealed in scripture, you'd find yourself going, oh my goodness gracious, he really was a friend of sinners. He really was kind. He invited himself to lunch at Zacchaeus' house, who we all know the song from Sunday school. But we don't stop to think, oh, my goodness, Zacchaeus was an outlier. He also was hated by his fellow citizens because he was two-timing his Jewish friends Mm -hmm. to make money, to build up his own bank account. What did it mean that Jesus, the son of God, said Zacchaeus, I want to hang out with you. Like, I want to go to your house for chips and queso. And simply based on their conversation, Zacchaeus was converted, totally changed. So what does it look like to me in an intimate relationship with a God like that? It's not just about accumulating knowledge. It's certainly not about religion or denomination. It's about being loved by the king of all kings. And so I think if we lean into him with relational questions, 
instead of questions trying to impress our small group with some esoteric knowledge, mm-hmm. I think that changes everything. We've got to check the motive of our heart as to why we're leaning into scripture. Are we leaning in scripture to know God and to be known by God? Are we leaning into the Bible so we can, you know, check off some box mm-hmm. on some proverbial list to try to be better? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great point. And I know you've spent this lifelong journey of understanding the personhood of Jesus, and you have had some really great questions. Um, And I want to just tell our listeners a few of those, like, I want to know who's on Jesus's mind, um, what he likes to talk about, when his voice gets animated, where he's prone to linger and have long conversations. Tell us, like, how do questions like these, like, that's what you're kind of encouraging us, right? Right. Think of how do those help us and how do we, like, just in everyday life? Yeah, great question, Ellen. We were just in, I've been to Israel four different times, and I was just there a few months ago. And uh, love Israel, love being where we know definitively that our Savior spent time. And we went up to Magdala, you know, and that's where Mary from Magdala is from. And and we were on the Sea of Galilee, and I found myself on the Sea of Galilee. You know, if you haven't been to Israel, a lot of times we think of that as an ocean, but it's not. It's a it's a lake. It's about twelve miles long, about eight or nine miles wide, depending on if they're in a drought or not. And I thought about Jesus being on that lake and how he chose to be with uneducated men, with um, with earthy men, with men who disagreed with each other, who were diametrically opposed. And you think how interesting that he didn't go to the rabbinical schools, mm-hmm. that he didn't go where the learned were or where those who were the elite were. He didn't go to the gated communities where people drove European cars. He went to the regular people. He told stories that they understood because 85% of the people during that period of Jesus incarnate ministry were illiterate. They could not read if Jesus had written something down. So he told stories. They were not simplistic stories. The parables are actually very interesting stories. And he pushed back against the religious elite of his day that said you had to give a whole lot of money or you had to be born into a certain family. He taught, no, there's no hierarchy in the family of God. One of the first things he said when he taught his disciples how to pray, and most of us know that 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 wonderful prayer, you know, in in Luke 11, but we forget that the beginning of that prayer is Father. And he was speaking Aramaic because he's from Nazareth. They spoke Aramaic. Of course, he's God. He could speak anything. But his his language as incarnate Christ was Aramaic. And the first word he uses is dad. Now, all the other rabbis of that time said you had to approach Yahweh formally. You had to say God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, Jacob, builder of Jerusalem. Some of the Greek prayers have three or four pages before you even get to the supplication. You know, they use all this fancy language as this formal address. And Jesus, speaking to regular people, says, you get to approach the God of the universe and call him dad. And so I love that our Savior put the cookies on the lower shelf so that we wouldn't be threatened or intimidated. He is a holy God. He's perfectly transcendent. 
but he chooses to be imminent. In other words, he chooses to be close to us. And so he actually beckons us to ask those questions. You know, he said to Peter, who do you say that I am? And where he said that was was the Mecca of pagan worship. It was right by this cave where they worship Pan. Remember Pan from high school, Greek mythology, half goat, half man. That's where all that pagan worship is done. Jesus says to Pete, Peter, who do you say that I am? So he invites us to ask questions about him. And then, of course, that's where he goes to the Mount of Trespass transfiguration he's glorified so i love that he beckons us Mm -hmm. to come closer he doesn't say memorize a bunch of multi-syllabic theological terms and then you can come in my presence he says no i'll actually invite myself to have lunch with you and i'll tell you stories that give you a bigger picture of how much god loves you he is so infinitely kind and he you know i've been walking with jesus for 55 years I am more intrigued by him and more in love with him now than ever before. He's true. He's true. He's true. He's true. And he's never boring. Anybody who thinks the Bible is boring, that a deep dive into the life of Christ would be boring. I'm like, no, 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 no. We have some boring Bible teachers and there are some boring Bible studies, but God's word, it's more colorful than pay-per-view. It is amazing. (laughs) Yes, it absolutely, truly is, truly is. And those, so if you're listening to this, you know, as you think of questions, right, it's okay Mm -hmm. to to, um, approach God in prayer and and ask. Absolutely. uh, Just wonder, it's just even wondering, um, Mm -hmm. uh, it really fills kind of your, your spirit with excitement. Learn what theology is and how to study God within the Bible in course number seven of our In-Depth Bible Study Academy. In this academically built course, you will learn the tools to study God's character and nature within a Bible passage and how to grow closer to God relationally through Bible study. This course titled Theology, Knowing God Through In-Depth Bible Study is packed with teaching lessons, homework, quizzes, and a resource list for personal study. Head to our website, coffeeandbibletime.com, to learn more about the Academy and course number seven today. Use promo code CBT Podcast, that's CBT Podcast, to get 50% off this course right now at coffeeandbibletime.com. Yes. Um, yes. Well, little bit about your devotional and how you go about um, sharing Jesus and mm-hmm. uh, sort of this walk together and tell us about the scriptures right. and everything. Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I kind of use bite-sized pieces, each devotional, there's 60 devotionals in this book and each of them is like two pages. We dive pretty deep in the beginning. I, I try to use a lot of story. And so for somebody who does not yet know Jesus or maybe has only been a Christian for a short period of time, try to use a lot of narrative. The Bible is 80% narrative. So I try to tell stories so they go, oh, I can identify with that. Um, but then we go into the hypostatic union. What does that mean? What does it mean that Jesus is fully God and fully man at the same time? That That's a that is a huge concept. Mm-hmm. 
but it also begins to build our scaffolding of how secure we can be as his beloved, that he is, he's empathetic, he gets us, and he's perfectly God. At the same time, we talk about some of the original councils, some of when we go all the way back to the beginnings. I'm sure your girls have studied that at Moody. Some of the the early tenets in Christianity that prove the historicity of Jesus, the accessibility of Jesus. We talk about how I have a whole devotional about how Jesus laughs and how there's no one verse that says Jesus laughs. But there's a myriad of passages that point to his good humor. Um, We talk about um, all kinds of different facets of how he responded to people, how protective he is of us, how incredibly protective he is of us. So every single, if you do it, most people, when they do a devotional, do one devotional a day. So it's a pretty quick read, you know, five to seven minutes, but then there are three interactive questions. So we have a group of girls now in Florida who are doing this as an interactive Bible study. And it's not too overwhelming, not too many questions. But for me, again, I've been walking with Jesus for 55 years. I'm working on my doctorate. So I took a lot of what I'd learned in seminary for my doctorate Mm -hmm. and then just put that in a non-academic form. So you're going to get some chunky content. But the format is very, very accessible. It's not, it's not too scary, but I want, I want people to learn something. I want them to go, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Like, I didn't know, Ellen, I've been studying Jesus all these years. I did not know some things about the centurion when he was the one to witness the crucifixions of Jesus. I knew that story, of course. Mm -hmm. There were some details in that story that blew me away that I didn't know. That as I dove into it, there were, you know, scripture is infinitely revelatory. It's not a flat book. So the more you study, you don't just memorize it. And then you go, okay, I figured out the gospel of Luke. I don't need to read that again. You read the same story for the thousandth time and go, I didn't see that then. Or because you're walking through a different period of life, you go, wow, I saw a facet of that, that I didn't realize before the last, uh, couple of years for our family have been tough. Uh, Last summer, one of my, uh, we had a a very premature death in our family. Um, And then uh, someone very close to me committed suicide. And then, and then my uncle was diagnosed with a very severe form of cancer. And it just kind of hit all at once on the heels of COVID. And you know how you think, goodness gracious, Lord, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I can handle one more hit. You know, when you feel like you're just kind of getting your head above water and then the waves get high again. And so what I desperately needed to see bigger during that season was the compassion of Christ. Mm. Well, I believe in that with all my heart as a theological truism, but to see stories from a different vantage point, when I desperately need to see his softness, um, that, that just meant the world to me. So I think depending on where you are in your life personally, as well as in where you are in your journey with Jesus, whether you're a young believer or whether like you and I walk with Jesus for a long, long time, but there's some things you need to rediscover or maybe the joy of your salvation. You, you need that uh, kind of rejuvenated. I told somebody the other day, I feel like I've been re-gospeled. Mm-hmm. Of course, I didn't lose my salvation. I believe that's a theological impossibility. But there are some places where I had grown dull. 
and I needed the joy of my salvation restored. So for me, kind of two of the themes of this book were the joy we have, not ha-ha, not that we, you know, are always perky as Christians. That's not even true. But that during the most difficult seasons of life, uh, that can be congruent with real, true, authentic joy, because that's who Jesus is. You know, for the joy set before him, that's us. He endured the cross. So Christ himself puts pain and joy in the same, in the same moment. It's not opposite sides of a continuum. It's right there together. And, and I needed to be reminded of that as I was studying for this book. That's so beautiful. And I'm, I know if you're listening out there, you've got to pick up a copy of this devotional because I love your your little extra insights from doing this at the same time you're working on your doctorate. It mm. uh, is really gives people just more, a little bit deeper insights. So that's really exciting. Could be for anybody, right? Someone brand new. To oh, for anybody. Seasoned. Christian is going to be super excited about that. Well, how can they find out more information about you in the book? They can, you know, you can go, um, my, my website, I think, I never, you know, you never look yourself up. I think (laughs) it's lisaharper.com. I'm not sure if it's.com or.net, but if you could just go to Lisa Harper Bible teacher, it'll come up. And then this book, it's, is that not just so cute, Ellen? It has shiny Jesus. That makes me so happy. I, you know, my only, my only non-negotiables because my publisher is much smarter than me. Um, but I said I, I want Jesus to be the main thing you see. So if you go into Walmart, I want that even his name to be a testimony. Mm-hmm. And then I fought for kind of a crazy subtitle because I didn't want people to be threatened by that. So the subtitle is a scandalously devoted conspicuously uncool, super transparent homage to who our savior is and how much he loves us. So, you know, I wanted somebody who, who might be threatened when they go, Oh goodness gracious. I'm not even sure I believe in Jesus to read that and go, okay. I love that that lady's conspicuously uncool. So, uh, you know, I can tell she's not going to be super stiff. So I intentionally use lots of story because I don't think to be serious about your faith, you have to be super serious about yourself. I think you need to have a good sense of humor and go, man, I messed up today. I needed grace today. So as we dive into some deep theological truisms, there's also a lot of story yeah. and some humor along the way. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We will also. So anywhere books are found. Yep. For yeah. sure. Before we go, just real quickly, three quick questions that we always ask our guests. Yes, ma'am. What Bible like is your go-to Bible and what translation is it? My go-to translation, it's the ESV, English Standard Version, because when I went to seminary the first go around when I got my master's, that was the only translation we were allowed to use for our papers, for academic papers. Mm -hmm. And I love formal equivalence translations. However, I also, in the last five or 10 years, I use probably 15 different translations when I'm studying and writing. I love dynamic relevance. I love the NIV. One of my mentor professors was, he is on the NIV committee, Dr. Craig Blomberg. So I have to love his translation Um, or he was involved in writing that translation. And then uh, last five or six years, I really love the CSV, the, the Christian standard uh, Bible Mm -hmm. that uh, that's through Broadman Holman Uh, there. I hardly need a Bible 
that I don't yes, like, right. but, uh, <laughs> but my, my go-to, this is my, I have a bunch of them, but my go-to Bible that I'm in all the time uh, is an ESV. Yeah, yeah. Great translation. Okay. Awesome. Do you have any favorite journaling supplies or anything that you like to use or do to enhance your Bible study experience? Um, I, this is going to sound, this is going to sound a little silly, Ellen, but the prettier the journal, the more likely I am to use it. <laughs> so I actually got a brand new journal for my birthday last week and it's just this really beautiful leather and it has my monogram on the front and it, if it's pretty, I'll use it. And I love pages that have rough edges. Mm -hmm. I really love old books. You know, my favorite writers are are usually all the long dead theologians. Yes. Um, C.S. Lewis, A.W. Tozer, Dr. Packer died not too long ago. I go all the way back to, uh, I really love Thomas Akempis from the 1400s, mm -hmm. The Imitation of Christ. Virgin. So if it's old, I love it. Absolutely. And so I tend to love journals that have kind of that Aww. old leather feel to oh, them. Oh, that's so fun. Okay. Lastly, what's your favorite app or website for Bible study tools? I love, well, two, when I, when I'm online and I'm writing, I love Bible gateway because I think it's so accessible when I'm pulling down passages, when it comes to a devotional Bible app, I love dwell. I just started using dwell about a year ago. And I love that you can use different voices on the audible part of dwell. And we love London, my little girl and I, Missy, because Missy is a huge fan of fish and chips and I am too. So we have a London accent reading the Bible oh, to fun. us when we when we play the Bible at night. So I, I like Gateway for study. I use Logos all the time. Now that's not an app. You know, that's a huge program. Mm -hmm. I use Logos all the time. And then I love Dwell for Ooh, as a devotional. All right. Some great tips there from Lisa Harper. Okay. Lisa, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for having <sighs> me. Tell the girls I hope to meet them next yes, time. Yes, absolutely. And for and tell them Kudos, kudos, kudos to being their age and running hard toward Jesus. That is like caffeine in my in my spiritual espresso mm -hmm. cup. When I see young women who are running hard toward Jesus, I'm like, if Jesus tarries, we're going to be okay. So tell them thank you. Yes. Oh, well, thank you. I just, I know our, just people listening here have really just been encouraged by what you've said about oh how we can deepen our relationship with Jesus. And, and I love just even your quirky title too, shows us that Jesus <laughs> really was a person just. Absolutely. You know? So absolutely. Uh, we will have a link in our show notes to your devotional. Lastly, if you have learned, laughed, or simply enjoyed listening to our podcast, please consider leaving us a review that really Absolutely. helps us connect more people who also would desire to delight in God's That's heart. Right. So we That's appreciate right. you. We thank you. And we love you all. Have a blessed day. 